0: how much do i as a sales rep need in my pipe in order to reach that target and then you know reverse engineering your own numbers uh, to structure how you work
1: hello and a big welcome to hot sauce where we'll cover the hottest topics within sauce together with brilliant guests are you also curious about fast-grown companies and the people behind them welcome aboard my name is max Nyman. i'm the ceo of LimeGo, and this is an interactive podcast where you can give suggestions on upcoming guests and topics You can also jump into discussions with other listeners by leaving comments or upvoting their suggestions. I'm determined to become one of the greatest within B2B Sauce, which is why I invite thought leaders and pick their brains about how to scale their companies. However, there are so many fast-growing companies out there and new ones appearing all the time. I only know a fraction and that's why I want to give you the opportunity to have an impact on the episodes and its content. Hit the link in the episode to interact and affect. Enough already, let's get to it. All right, Jonathan, warm welcome.
0: Thank you, Max. Thank you for having me.
1: And uh, let's get to it. What is your role and uh, which company are you at?
0: So uh, I'm the global sales director at uh, OneFlow and uh, I focus on the mid-market segment. My base is here in Stockholm, so this is where I am. And then I'm also responsible for all active markets.
1: Mm -hmm. Cool. And uh, for the people that don't know of uh, OneFlow, what kind of problems do you solve? What's your product?
0: So um, at our core, we're a contract management platform, um, helping our customers to reduce friction in all aspects of their contract process, meaning that they use us for uh, contract and proposal creation, uh, live negotiation, e-signing, archiving, and lifecycle management.
1: It's a broad, uh, (laughs) many problems that you're solving, basically.
0: Yeah, we hope so. We hope so.
1: Yeah. Ah, cool. And did you start off solving it for like the sales department and then it just grew or has it always been kind of broad from the beginning?
0: You know, um, it, it's always been quite broad. Uh, obviously, sales is uh, a good place to start since, I mean, working in sales, we know that we're very contract and proposal intense. So mm. it's it's a good, uh, good place to start. But um, Meaning that we're broad is that, you know, we're not only focusing on the e-signing aspect of a contract process or only creating beautiful looking proposals and templates or being the contract management in, in terms of life cycle. So we want our, our customers to reduce friction in all aspects of the uh, contract um, uh, process. Uh, mm. So that's really our niche, making sure that our customers can reduce their, their system flora and uh, use one tool for all aspects of their contract process.
1: Mm. Mm. And you mentioned mid-market. What is your definition of mid-market? And can you tell me a bit about the ICP, the personas that you're talking to?
0: Yeah, of course. So um, obviously with a uh platform, um, uh, as ours you know helping customers reduce friction in their contract processes, our target audience is very very wide because we have the luxury of uh you know knowing that all companies and basically all departments within all companies globally everyone are in one way or another handling contracts, so yeah. you know we need to narrow it down a bit, so we define mid market um, uh, as you know, companies up to a 1,000 employees and looking into our ICP, I would say that we're somewhere in mid-market, up-market. Up uh, that's our ICP, uh, focusing on customers between 500 and 1,000 employees. Um, preferably, uh, they're quite contract intense. So obviously, going, um, we, we skew our outreach towards uh, sales departments and HR departments. Mm. And preferably, they're working with um, systems or tech that we integrate towards because we see that that builds a lot of stickiness in our uh, in our uh, approach when we when we sell our our product Mm
1: -hmm. makes a lot of sense and would you say that uh, that's easy because one thing that's uh, like easier at least when targeting companies is okay turnover x industry x and then like geography x but now you're talking about more like one layer deeper in terms of integration systems and so on how do you help the sales team to qualify these type of things to align it towards your ICP?
0: Well, it's a really good question, and um, we have throughout my time here at OneFlow uh, really dig deep into you know rev ops and making sure that we have the ultimate sales stack to help our sales reps find and you know contact the uh, the right customers at the right time. So. We have the possibility to, you know, to some extent, signal in, buyer intent, but also, uh, you know, see uh, what kind of systems they're using. Uh, so um, we're using a tool called Cognism, uh mm-hmm. which I think you've had a discussion with uh, in yes. previous episodes, um, to to gather that information, so that we easily can uh, make sure that the reps know who to target, when to target, and the correct uh, the correct ones.
1: Mm-hmm. Cool. Makes sense. Uh, Let's pause that discussion for a bit. I just want to talk about your career because you've been at the OneFlow for, what is it, five, six years now-ish?
0: Yeah. uh, So um, five, six years now, uh, I've done basically everything within (laughs) our sales organization. So, you know, obviously coming in at a very early stage uh, in in 2018 as employee number 17, I think. Wow. um, Started off as an SDR. Um, did that for, I think only two months and then moved on to, um, uh, the, back then we didn't even define the mid market space. So, uh, uh, basically a mid market sales rep. Um, and from there moved on to uh, the enterprise team selling towards, you know, the biggest customers that we have here in the Nordics, um. But I quickly found out that that wasn't really my cup of tea. Uh, that's not where my expertise lie in the big complex deals. I don't even think it's fun. I get bored. I need a lot of things happening at the same time. Yeah. Um, so then, you know, with the high quotas that you have in, in an enterprise, as an enterprise sales rep, I started to build out the process and the structure for how, to conduct sales towards the mid-market segment, but reach the high enterprise target uh, target that we had. Oh, and okay. That's sort of where the idea sparked that, hey, this actually uh, was a really successful initiative. I think once everything was up and rolling, I was closing um, one customer every other day throughout the full year. Nice. Uh, so we saw that it worked and the structure that, that I put up, did uh, it actually worked. So then we created a team around it and now that's sort of become uh the the mid-market segment that it is today but a lot of sales mm-hmm. reps are doing doing those kinds of things and then you know obviously getting through different uh you know trying out different leadership roles i had i was the leader my leader for the SDR team and then uh, moving mm-hmm. on to to creating this uh this team sure. and and you know the role that i have today
1: wow that's a really inspiring journey and uh, i like that you basically picked up a playbook you created it and then it's like a team around it now <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's nice, and you know, it's an it's an ever evolving project. Uh, I mean, the the structure that I defined three four years ago uh, has evolved, of course, with new reps coming in uh, with very smart and bright ideas, and then we add on to the playbook, and uh, it's it's updated uh, continuously.
1: Mm. Cool, but let's tap into that a bit because uh, I mean, uh, talking about the success factors, both in climbing your career, but also the uh bringing up a new segment and how to create a team around it and the the processes the playbooks the frameworks uh can you tell me a bit about the like first things that you did that you then tested and how you saw traction in it
0: yeah uh of course so um with uh, the mid market segment you know volume is key uh, so a sales rep in my team would in on a monthly basis close somewhere between 8 and 12 Deals in order to reach yeah. the target that they have and, and what was the average it, deal
1: size then, approximately
0: I mean it's around uh, it's hard to define, but for the mid market space, I think we're around twenty five thousand k sec per deal or yeah. something uh, as an average and then obviously in the enterprise segment it's a lot more, but for the yeah. mid market and especially in the Nordics, that's where we are um So, the first things that we needed to figure out is okay, how can we work with time management, making sure that uh, the reps feel that, okay, my day is manageable? Uh, because they're also full cycle reps. We don't have any SDRs in the mid market segment, so we prospect and book all of our meetings by ourselves, and we're very outbound heavy. Yeah. Uh, back when I started, it was like ninety percent outbound, ten percent inbound. Now we've moved a bit away from that, luckily. So we yeah. have we have we have some traction from marketing, which is nice. Yeah. So it's not really those numbers now, but um, building up that structure was integral to uh, um, to to success, yeah. um, and then. I started dabbling a lot uh, around like nurturing. How can we stay top of mind, and uh, how can we do it so that we don't that the customer doesn't feel that we're nagging them? Because the the key thing here was to always, when we talk to customers, bring them something of value yeah. that they could bring back before taking the decision. Um, so that's basically where we started. So that's more of the structure, uh, a structured nurturing process. And back then, uh, we didn't have a lot of systems. So it was just me plotting it down in my calendar when to do what with what customer. And uh, am I supposed to send a Vidyard video of a tailored flow or should I do something else? Am I reaching out on LinkedIn? And, you know, all of these things that we now take for granted that back then was quite new. Yeah. Um, um, and then, you know, the methodologies came into play. So first was the structure and then the methodology. Uh, so we're using a light, lighter version of uh, Medpick and uh, Champ. Okay. Um, and it seems to be working quite well.
1: Yeah, nice. And uh, on, on that topic, yeah, frameworks, and, and, uh, because Medpick is classic, more enterprise, right? Yeah. And I yeah. feel that the, the old school or maybe the most popular SMB or maybe even, even smaller is BAN. But yeah. you found your own little mix in between for the mid market, or can you elaborate?
0: Yeah, exactly. And I also have a problem with band because I think it's quite outdated. It mm. worked very well, like in I don't know when it was developed, but I would I would assume like nineties, early two thousands, where yeah, probably. The, the landscape was a bit different. And I don't even think it's super relevant uh, when selling sauce. So um, I found this great article on uh, Sales Hacker, I think where uh, someone, I can't remember the name, uh, did, uh, did another version of Bant, where you basically, you turn the letters around. Uh, I think it's called NTBA, so it doesn't really roll off the tongue, the same as Bant <laughs> yeah. does. Um, and um, instead of, you know, um, trying to find, uh, you know, the budget, you know, in, in band it's very straightforward do, do you have money to buy our product basically yeah. or have you set aside money to buy um, it's you know quite common that a company would have budget to invest in something. How can we make it a priority to invest in one flow yeah. and that's sort of how you how you work around it instead of just finding out if they have money because hopefully yeah. you've done your research enough so that you contact a company that has the money to buy a product mm. Right definitely and then uh, the, the, um, the methodology lies a lot around that, and the same thing goes with you know finding the decision maker uh it's good you should find your decision maker but um at least i see i don't know if you agree, but I feel like we're starting to move away from the hierarchical top down decision making uh, yeah. and uh you know Rather trying to find out the decision making process and how we can uh, how we can work together with our customer in order to you know reach a successful trial pilot whatever it is how they and find out how they are actually working in decision making and that's yeah. where we come in
1: yeah ah, really interesting, and I can imagine that the type of service that you sell or product it's very like you' are affecting a lot of people right if you're changing changing the whole contract management system so you need to understand yeah. not only who are affected but then how does the process work to get all these people aligned to get the the yes
0: yes exactly and you know I think since i this is the i didn't work in sauce before you know i uh I I've worked in sales for a long time as many of us started like telemarketing and then onto hardware and so on but mm. now in SaaS and it's a good um, school It's it's a really good school. I mean I remember when I was like 17 years old uh pushing 300 250 calls a day getting like 30 40 orders in a day and with no base salary and only commission that's yeah. the the best school <laughs> you could have. Um but uh so <clears throat> What I was uh, was going for is you know selling a service that uh, you know if you sell sales enablement in some kind or uh, uh, something that is not um, you know part of everyone's day to day. I mean I think everyone can relate to contracts and understand how important they are for the business. You need to it's the most important documents that you have within a business and yeah. it's uh, it's quite sensitive sensitive information usually. So uh, we need to be weary of that in our sales process and understand that, you know, changing something that's that integral into basically everyone's business. Uh, we, yeah. need to be, uh, we need to be very on point in our selling uh, in order to, to get that change done. Mm.
1: I yeah. agree. And uh, Meddick Champ, what uh, cherries have you picked out, so to say? <laughs> you talked about decision <laughs> process, but like what have you left out and what are you like focusing extra on?
0: I I mean, I haven't really, the thing is, I think all of these, you know, the acronyms and all the aspects of the acronyms, they're very important. Yeah. So I haven't left anything out, but it's rather, okay, we might not have to focus as much on the paper process in the mid-market segment because we usually, you know, with the smaller deals, it doesn't go four laps around legal before signing. So yeah. we don't have to focus as much on that. So it's just, you know, keeping it a bit simpler but staying uh, staying true to you know the, the methodology itself.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, what is your average deal size and like sales cycle, pro- cycle approximately today?
0: You talked so about the sales volume. sales cycle. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's very volume uh, uh, heavy so a lot of these yeah. but um, right now uh, in the mid market space we have a sales cycle of around um, 19 days. From uh, initial contact. Um, and it's quite often that we actually close the deal in the first sitting meeting. That happens a lot, at yeah. least a couple of times a week. Um, and the average is as we as we touched upon, around 20, 25K.
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. And uh, now we're talking about qualification, right? And right. Frameworks, and <laughs> Medic, and CHAMP, yeah. and BAD, and all those acronyms. Uh, yeah. you, you mentioned focus yeah. and volume. Because that's yeah. like the key to succeed when it's uh, those type of deal sizes. How do you work mm-hmm. with the disqualification?
0: Not not as much as we want to. You know, uh, being a, uh, a listed company, every little crown matters. Uh, yeah. So we tried to we try to sell to everyone that accepts a meeting, but of course we can't. So you know, disqualifying uh, a a prospect is very very important and um you know i always urge my sales reps to ask the hard questions you know the questions that we did not really want the answer to Uh, so sometimes people shy away from asking them um but um you know when working with uh champ or band it, it is a qualification methodology right so if we don't get the answers that aligns with what we need to have in order to sell, then by default, the prospect will be disqualified. And that's, of course, when we have the dialogue. But, uh, you know, when prospecting also, it's quite easy to disqualify uh, uh, because you can see the indicators that, okay, uh, we might not go after this kind of company in this industry because it doesn't make sense for us.
1: Mm. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's the the difficult balance because OneFlow is kind of a known brand in Sweden and in the Nordics and probably in Europe as well. And like you list, you're listed and you get a lot of, or more at least now inbound leads compared to earlier. And it's very difficult to teach the sales reps to say no. And as a leader, you don't want to say no to revenue, right? So how do you find the balance between the ICP and uh, like, yeah, let's get one in and it's maybe not the perfect fit, but we'll allow it.
0: Yeah, uh, it's a very good question. And uh, something that we see is, you know, when we find the customer that's in our ICP, the process tends to run a lot smoother. And um, it's a bit easier for the sales rep because then we're speaking the same language and we've done it before, right? But if we're in a, yeah. in a process with a company that doesn't really fit their ICP, we can still sell to them. And we know that they're going to get value out of our product. And companies that start using OneFlow, they tend to stay with us. Yeah. We have very, very low churn. So I'm not really worried about getting that customer customer in and they're not being happy with the service that we provide because you can use OneFlow in so many different ways. You can do it, you know, the traditional way. We're just uploading a PDF and getting that PDF signed if that that's what you want. But then you can do really elaborate processes as as well with your contract process so we know that if we get them in they're most likely going to be happy
1: yeah fair enough Uh, all right i want to move into a topic touch a bit about uh, leadership uh Mm -hmm. like are you having a team on you right now how are they structured how many are they
0: yeah so um it's um i i Stay with me on this one because it's okay. quite, uh, it's, it's not intricate, but it's at least, uh, um, it might be different from other setups. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, So I am based in Stockholm. This is where I spend um, maybe 60% of my time. So I have a team here where I'm solely responsible for the team and the revenue that we bring in. Uh, and then here we are, uh, seven people. So I have seven people in my team here. Yeah. And then I have mid-market sales reps spread uh, spread across uh, Europe. So I have sales reps in Finland, Norway, France, UK, and the Netherlands as well. So in total, uh, twenty-two people uh, uh, outside, oh. of the, uh, outside of the uh, outside of of the Swedish uh, all your
1: active uh, markets. markets.
0: All our active markets. So with the team in Sweden, uh, I have, you know, my regular one-on-ones once a week with everyone and I meet them regularly. With the teams outside of Sweden, uh, it's a setup where we either do a weekly team meeting where we, you know, do share and learns, talk about, uh, you know, the the pipe for, for the month and all those uh, awesome things that we as sales leader yeah. uh, talk, talk about. And yeah. then there's also local sales director uh, director. So it's a, a matrix organization where I am in charge of the revenue for all uh, mid-market, um, uh, um, all the mid-market uh, uh, sales reps, basically. So, Uh, The mid-market lies under me and all its revenue, but then I'm uh, responsible for the team here in Sweden, and then I act as a ball plank. I don't actually know the English word for the uh, local sales directors. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I am also uh, now uh, the sort of acting GM for UK. Uh, So I am there quite a lot as well.
1: Okay, traveling in and supporting locally.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, cool. And uh, would you say that there are uh, clear perks with this setup? It's kind of complex, as you mentioned, but like, uh, what are the benefits of it?
0: Uh, so the benefits, uh, I can list them. It's quite long, but, yeah. uh, you know, I we have me and then the equivalent of me in the enterprise segment, who's uh, the global sales director for the enterprise segment. And we're sort of experts within our fields. Yeah. And then uh, you have your local leaders that uh, takes care of, you know, All the one-on-ones everything that's beside sales so then you know sometimes we need to go in and act you know uh, quite stern and point with the whole uh, arm and so on Mm. but the sales rep will still maintain a good relationship with their local leader because that's the local leader that they see every day Uh, so there's a lot of benefits of having this setup Um, and the sales reps when working you know an enterprise deal if you're let's presume that you're in in, in the netherlands mm. and you're working in an enterprise deal then you have the support from the uh, enterprise leader your local leader myself if you want to so uh, it gives a lot of uh, room for you know sharing knowledge which i think is quite nice and it's you know a bandwidth thing as well it would be super hard for me to have one-on-ones with 30 people yeah then that's that would be my entire calendar
1: yeah that's true no, but I, I like the idea of, um, because it's always a balance, right? If you are having a one-on-one and you need to d- have the maybe serious talk on like, we need to do X or we need to focus on this and then shift back when the meeting is over. It's like, okay, now we're all, all yeah, friends we're again. Friends. Uh, so I think yeah. that could be a good setup, as you say, to come in and like do the directives, but then the one-on-ones and the peer-to-peer relation is uh, like not affected by that. Exactly. Oh, mm. right. Interesting. But uh, let's talk a bit about the the pipe meetings or one-on-ones, uh, talking about like uh, steering sales and sales efficiency. Uh, what have you learned that works these uh, years and what doesn't work?
0: Yeah, uh, obviously, it's been weird years. I was thinking about this walking to the office this morning that, you know, we haven't really in a long time had a regular year, right? Everything mm. started with COVID and then, you know, war broke out and the economic situation and so on. So it's going to be really interesting, hopefully when we get back to 100% normal to see what mm. we can do, because throughout these hard years, it's, it still worked quite well. Mm. But what I see as a, as a driving factor in, um, uh, in helping the team out, it's, you know, First and foremost, we we talk a lot about pipeline creation, you know, yeah. since we are so outbound heavy and the reps are full cycle sales reps, uh, pipeline creation is key uh, for us to succeed. And uh, what I see works the best, you know, still is, is the phone, but doing it, you know, multi-channel using the phone as your main weapon, but also, you know, uh, sending video pitches, LinkedIn, uh, emailing, of course. Yeah. And then... Um, Working very closely with the new reps that, are, that come in and making them understand how to structure a pipeline. I think that's also something that tends to be a bit forgotten. Like how do we spread out risk? Because, um, you know, if let's presume that you have a budget of 100K, how much do I as a sales rep need in my pipe in order to reach that target? And then, mm. you know, reverse engineering your own numbers uh, to structure how your Pipe is going to look because it might be different from your colleague. Mm. Uh, so that's. depending on win rate with. and everything. Exactly, and that's something that we work a lot with. And then obviously, working with the high volumes, how do we structure the pipe in terms of deal size mm. in order to mitigate risk? So I've I've used an analogy uh, which I don't I don't know if it works, but I I just I maybe I was hungry when I when I wrote this down, but <laughs> I I I used the analogy of bread. So if you, if you think of your pipeline as bread, then uh, what you do is that you want two loaves in your pipe. That loaf, that entire piece, that's going to be a deal that covers your entire quota for the month. So you want to have two of those in there. Um, and then uh, you want slices of bread, meaning deals that are maybe half your quota or a bit below so of those, you want to have maybe five to six loaves of bread. Mm. And then you have your your breadcrumbs. And we don't want to forget about the breadcrumbs because they're important for two aspects, right? Yeah. So breadcrumbs serve both as you know the volume deals. You you want to have maybe 10 of those mm. in your pipe. And uh, closing four or five, that's gonna build up to a decent amount. But then it's also the psychological effect of getting to the point where you actually finish an entire process. So for a sales rep that might be struggling, then I tell them, you know, go after the the breadcrumbs now because we need to build some confidence again. So then they go through an entire sales process and actually gets to the point where, you know, they see that beautiful green button that says sign contract and they sign it, they can go up and ring the bell, you know, to to build that confidence. And that's yeah. equally important, I think, because, you know, Confidence is it's such an important factor in, mm. in being successful.
1: Mm. Ah, I like that. I, <laughs> I think that's really important as well to talk about the, the momentum for salespeople and encourage that. Because as you say, that could be the domino effect that gets the, the whole month going and then you actually hit quota. Exactly. Mm. Ah, cool. And uh, on the um, like sales topic, uh, I want to move into a segment called quick ones. So we're going to shoot some quick questions and I want some quick answers. Let's go. All right. Um favorite tool in your revenue tech stack.
0: It has to be Salesforce. It's the boring answer, but that's okay. where I live.
1: But you're a manager as well, so you like yeah. <laughs> the reporting, yeah. All right. And um best uh, sales tip for younger people starting in sales.
0: Um so um I think being curious and adaptable uh, will take you far uh, but add in consistency and determination uh, it's going to be a recipe for success.
1: Mm. Mm. And the uh, best sales book.
0: To be honest, um I've never really found that uh, thing for me. I I mean I've read never split the difference and I've read, you know, these standard ones but you know that it's not really my bag. I don't okay. have one.
1: Yeah. Podcast instead, maybe.
0: Uh, hot sauce.
1: Ah, oh, wow, amazing! And your favorite KPI?
0: Just, you know, uh, quota.
1: <laughs> That's the only one that matters, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, how many steps are in your sales process? Five. Hmm? Would you say that it's good, or should you maybe have it shorter or longer?
0: It's good, you know. Ov- obviously, we want to uh, uh, to shorten the sales cycles as much as we can, but you know, we've taken steps to shorten them, and they work. So let's uh, let's try and stride forward and do even better.
1: Mm, nice. And one thing you use uh, Chat GPT for?
0: Uh, grammar and spell check.
1: Yeah, yeah. And lastly, leaving voicemail or not, and why?
0: Hundred percent. A missed call is just a missed call. If you can have some way of influence the counterpart to actually pick up the next time, please do so.
1: Mm. All right. Good. Awesome. Uh, let's leave that. And the um, last thing that I want to tap into is uh, a bit uh, more on the uh, like um, commission perspective, talking about sales and maybe motivation and so on. Uh, because in my opinion, there are two ways to like steer people with sales one is culture right this is what's expected and this is how you should work according to our like I don't know code of conduct the way of working whatever and the other one is probably the commission because uh, what they earn money for they will do right uh, have you seen commission structures uh, as one flow or set up something that you see work and can you maybe share of the, the insights or the learnings from that
0: yeah sure I mean uh, i think commission structures it's uh gather a room full of uh, uh sales leaders and uh you won't leave for a month you know you can discuss commission structures yeah uh, and uh, uh but you know something that really that we've seen i mean all, all of the reps here at oneflow we have monthly m- monthly quotas you know even the enterprise team has it so uh what we've seen is we want to ha- it's it's hard to balance you know the short term and the long term and how to divide your focus but something that we see as a driver when motivating the sales reps is both to have a set commission structure in terms of percentage of the ARR that you bring in throughout the month but also having you know something shiny uh, at the end of the quarter so if you reach X percent of your quota or above X percent, that you have a, a, a fixed bonus that just lies there and waiting for you so that you see that your sales are, when they get close, they want to get to the next one and then to the next one and then to the mm. next one to to get a bigger, you know, fixed bonus. That That's something that, uh, that works really well. Mm.
1: So do you have some sort of um, ladders after hitting quota, like the different steps after? Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. So you know, uh, I think it's quite common that you have certain percentage based on you know how many percent of quota you have attained, right? And then once you go above it, a ladder kicks in. So so it's the same here.
1: Mm-hmm. Cool. And have you seen some things that, that doesn't work or backfired or or similar?
0: Uh, no, not really. I mean, I've uh, as we've uh, touched upon, I've been here for quite some time, and you know we've basically always had a commission structure that seemed to motivate the sales reps Um, but you know I've been in other places where it's been uh, insane where you have you know uh, really uh, the knife to your throat no base payment only commission or very very low base salary and then you need to hit x just to get to some sort of commission and I think it works for some people uh, or some organizations, but what I've seen and uh, discussed with, with colleagues at those uh, previous uh, um, uh, uh, employers that I've had is that that builds out a lot of stress, so I wouldn't recommend it.
1: Yeah. And the uh, uh, last thing on uh, on sales, I think we're like having a bit of a niche discussion and, and I love it, uh, work-life balance. I mean, uh, yeah. working with revenue is uh, basically money never sleeps. So you have to have the phone on, the notifications, alerts, be ready for, for that uh, sign button to uh, get clicked. How do you yeah. uh, yourself and maybe your team work with the work-life balance and uh, like encourage a good uh, structure?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's I mean a topic that is flying around now for a reason. It's super important to maintain a good work-life balance, at least in my book it is and uh, me personally i i really try to like shut down my laptop uh by the end of the day and not work during evenings you know uh the occasional slack message or phone call that's completely fine um, at least for me personally i don't have a problem with it ask my uh my uh, my spouse and she might tell you differently That might be a problem for her so i try to be weary about the environment around me as well uh mm. trying not to uh to get uh, stuck with the nose down my phone at, you know, dinners or uh, at home because I want to be yeah. present. And that's something that I, I at least feel I've b- become better at. Uh, but uh, asking her, maybe no. We'll <laughs> see. I don't, I don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, for the team, I really try to, to encourage them to do the same. You know, uh, it's very seldom that you find uh, something or an issue that needs to be resolved 8 o'clock in the evening. It mm. can usually wait until the next day. Uh, obviously, sometimes there's educations by the end, you know, of, of a quarter or a month where you maybe need to to do something. But in in general, I think it's uh, it's it's never as pressing as you believe it is in your head, mm. because in your head it's always like, yeah, this needs to be solved now. But then you send it out to the customer and they get back to you by, you know, next day after lunch, maybe. So yeah, you know, try, trying to work a bit on that. But it's a super important topic, and uh, it. Uh, um, yeah uh, it's something that we need to take seriously I think
1: mm. I agree and I, as you said uh, I can imagine or we're also listed so so as you say in the end of months or quarters some things you literally have to get done right but other yeah. things yeah, yeah. and probably uh, almost usually customer questions that are super urgent <laughs> aren't actually that urgent so uh, yeah that's good to have in mind
0: yeah yeah for sure mm.
1: And okay, one thing that I have to ask, last one, uh, is hiring and onboarding. Uh, can you tell yeah. me a bit about what works for you guys uh, at OneFlow in terms of finding reps and onboarding them to get them ramped up and uh, hit quota ASAP?
0: Yeah, for sure. So um, one thing that we early on found out that we want to do all of the sourcing and you know keep the, uh, uh, the recruiting internally, so we have a talent team uh, yeah. that is dedicated to, to finding uh, new, uh, you know, top talent, if the top talent doesn't find us first. Um, and then um, something that we try to, uh, to keep as a part of the, the, the recruiting process and something that's really important for us is our culture. Uh, as with many sales companies, we talk a lot about culture. And when we hire, we want to hire for culture contribution, not, control, mm. not, not culture fit. Mm-hmm. Uh and uh we have a quite 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 a rigorous um uh recruiting process with uh you know uh meeting the talent team, meeting me for an you know informal chat and then a formal chat and then a case interview and so on. So mm-hmm. it's quite easy to sort of test the candidate in the aspect that we want to test them in to make sure that once they're actually here. We know that you know we've done a, at least a good choice in hiring them, and now it's up to us in the onboarding and up to the candidate to to show what they showed us in the uh, in the interviewing process.
1: Mm. And we'll, let's say that you have a case with a sales rep that you're about to to hire. What are you looking for in that like skill set among salespeople?
0: Mm. Yeah. So I am uh, you know mostly recruiting people that might have been in one like professional sales job before or straight yep. out of uni. So I don't expect them to know all of, you know, the different methodologies or being able to demo one flow because that would just be insane, right? So yep. I look for uh, traits that I find or that we find, um, uh, um, you know, good, good qualities in a rep. And to me, a lot has to do with curiosity, yeah. Uh, I think curiosity is one of the most important traits of a su- successful sales rep because it entails so much. It's, uh, if you're curious, you're hopefully a good listener because you know the art of asking questions. You're eager to learn. You want to try new things, right? Um, and then, uh, you know, seeing uh, seeing someone that has succeeded in something before, not necessarily professionally, or have been through something that's quite hard and having the ability, you know, to, to push through it and, and not hard like in, you know, really like maybe not, you know, sad stuff happening to them, but, you know, yeah. hard, you know, a hard challenge that, they, yeah. you know, that they've gone through. Mm.
1: Sports people maybe also.
0: Uh, very common in sales, but uh, doesn 't necessarily have to have to be the mold I mean uh, you know a lot a lot of us has played football and ice hockey and you know or, you know having that winning mentality we know how to fit into a team but uh, mm. it's quite uh, diverse actually we have we have those people but we have the complete opposites as well and uh, both tend to uh, tend to work out really good
1: mm. and you have your own uh, i don 't know the English word cor- corpen. Team, right? Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah.
0: Sunday league uh, football. I don't know what they yeah. call it in English. Yeah, we do. Uh, so early mornings in uh, in Malm, kick kickoff six thirty.
1: Yeah, and how's it going for you guys in the in the league?
0: I wished I could tell you, like, yeah, we won the league and we're in the top uh, top tier division, but we ended up middle in the last uh, in the you know in the third division of Corp. And so okay. <laughs> we, uh. we we can do better. <laughs>
1: room for improvement.
0: <laughs> room for improvement. Yes.
1: Yeah. All right, that's good. Um, lastly, do you have any uh, recommendations on the people for me to invite to this podcast?
0: Yeah, so uh, hard French name, so I can only pronounce his first name. Uh, his name is Tom, uh, international sales manager at a really cool company called Mojo. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. heard about them, but they work a lot with you know conversational intelligence and uh, uh, they're onto something, a French uh, sauce uh, startup that's you know, growing heavily. It's, uh, they they do a lot of cool things. Um, And then um, also, for some reason, another French uh, startup, uh, or maybe not startup anymore, but uh, a company called Reveal. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know them, uh, but they do a lot of cool things in the partnership space with, you know, mapping CRM data, uh, together with partners so you know that you're working on you know the same opportunities and you gain a lot of insights from their platform so Reveal and Mojo would be cool to hear, hear from. Ah,
1: nice and who's the person at Reveal or is it an unpronounceable French name?
0: Um, no it's not an unpronounceable uh, um, French name but I would either go for the I, I don't know their names exactly um, either the founder uh, or their, uh, their sales manager. Yep. Yeah. I think you, you can find them on LinkedIn. I wish I knew the names, but uh, I don't, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, I've done my fair of, uh, fair share of LinkedIn prospecting, so I'm, I'm confident I'll, I'll find those, uh, those guys.
0: Yeah, I would imagine so.
1: Yeah. Nice. And uh, lastly, I want to wrap up with uh, some of my key takeaways. Hmm? And uh, one thing uh, that I'm going to take with me is to uh, have a setup where you basically allow the local one-on-ones and uh, can come in and give the direct, uh, like, Focus or initiatives, maybe from a director level, to maintain a good uh, balance in in the like uh, leadership, but also in the uh, direction. Mm? Another one is definitely to create analogies for the pipeline. I think I'm gonna steal that one, the <laughs> bread the uh, <laughs> the bread one. Uh, yeah. I like it a lot. And I think honestly, like I'm I'm my background is in sales as well, and usually salespeople are, like, are kind of a visual. We're visual. We want to understand and like have it in front of us. I think so. Talking about analogies for sales reps to get them to understand like the importance of each deal. I think that's really good. Yeah, for sure. And lastly, definitely encourage reps uh, to gain momentum. So once again, like how to create the um, analogy and break it down into what's in it for them, so that they can actually get inspired and get the, the mouth going.
0: Yeah. You listened.
1: Yeah, apparently. <laughs>
0: Awesome. awesome.
1: Jonathan, uh, thank you very much for, for joining and uh, I uh, hope that you're crushing it in 2024 and uh, yeah, good to have you on board.
0: Yeah, we'll, we make sure to do so and thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.
1: Take care, man. Bye.
0: Take care. Bye. Now you got me hitting the phones. I miss sales. I love hitting the phones. One call closed. All
1: right. Shifting the focus to you that's been listening, just want to remind you that this is an interactive podcast. So hit the link in the episode description. There, you can join the discussion with other listeners and comment on episodes. You can also submit ideas for upcoming guests, topics, or simply upload what other people have already suggested also if you enjoyed this podcast please share it to someone that might be curious friends coworker, or that random person in your linkedin feed last but not least leave a rating if you enjoyed it while we are at it? Add the only theme to see short video clips from the podcast. Your address okay. See ya. Last quarter I smashed my quota. short memory I forgot what I sold got. Sales pro wisdom like Yoda I want to witch my prospects as you phone up. Now you got me hitting the phones. I'm in sales. I love it in the phone. Got to hit the phone. One call close while sitting at home. I'm in sales. I love it in the phones. Got to hit the my quarter, I smashed my quota. short memory I forgot what I sold you. Sales pro wisdom like Yoda I want to witch my prospects as you phone up. Now you got me hitting the phones. I'm in sales. I love it in the phones. Gotta hit the phone. One call closed or while sitting at home. I'm in sales, I love hitting the phones. Gotta hit the phone.